On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks losing streak has now reached seven games with a pair of losses over the weekend to the Minnesota Wild and New York Rangers. I'll get into both of those losses, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane reaching yet another historic milestone in our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, December 19th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2. Or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please make sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well, which I always greatly appreciate. And the best part about it all is that it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast. So go and follow the show right now, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then what are you doing? You got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, because every episode moving forward, folks, is going to have a video uploaded to YouTube as well. So if you haven't done so already, please go do me a huge favor real quick. Go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. It's also 100% for free. It only takes two seconds to go and click on that button, and it really does help me out more than all of you know. It helps me pay the bills, so please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube if you haven't done so already. Also, while you're there, make sure to go and smash the like button down below, and last, go and ring the bell, turn on those push notifications, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all again for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. I really do appreciate it. To kick things off here on Monday morning, sadly, things didn't get much better for the Chicago Blackhawks over the weekend. Well, I guess it kind of depends on how you're looking at everything because maybe the losses were for the best in the long run, but uh, what I'm trying to get at is the Blackhawks did not put an end to their losing skid over the weekend. They've now lost seven consecutive games with two losses, one on Friday night and one on Sunday. The first on Friday night up in Minnesota against Kirill Kaprizov and the Wild. An interesting little tidbit, Blackhawks fans, since Dean Evason has taken over as the head coach of the Wild, the Hawks have still yet to beat him. That streak carried on this weekend with a 4-1 to loss up in Minnesota. Dean Evason moves to 7-0-0 in his career behind the bench for Minnesota against the Blackhawks. But honestly, I didn't think it was a terrible effort from the Hawks. They played, in my opinion, some of their better hockey that we've seen here in the month of December. There were just a couple of key differences. The main one was they got outworked by the top line of the Wild. Kirill Kaprizov, Sam Steele, Mad Zuccarello, they were dominant and did whatever they wanted to when they were on the ice. Uh, and then second, the Blackhawks just couldn't find a way to squeak a shot past former friend 
Mark Andre Fleury. Um, that was really the storyline. I mean, that, go and look at the box score. Go and look at you know the game notes. The Blackhawks were there. They had just as many scoring opportunities, just as many shots on goal, just as many chances. Mark Andre Fleury just gobbled them all up, and the Kirill Kaprizov line they accounted for all four goals. Matt Zuccarello with the hat trick. Uh, added the empty netter for the Hattie. Three goals for him on the night. Kirill Kaprizov had a goal and two assists. That They really wound up making the difference in this uh, low-scoring type of matchup on Friday. Jonathan Taves, by the way, with the lone goal for the Blackhawks late in the third period to kind of make things a bit more interesting. His 10th of the season now ties him for the team lead with Max Domi. But unfortunately, the Blackhawks just couldn't get enough run support to come away with a victory. And that's unfortunate because Peter Morazic had arguably his best start of the season so far in that. You got to make sure to sneak in a quick shout out to Morazic because he had four, five, six, A-plus stops throughout the course of this game to keep the Blackhawks in it. One of them, a desperation stick save reaching across the crease. He did everything in his power to keep the Blackhawks alive. and. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, they just didn't give him enough run support. The offensive woes really continue to plague this team. And that was also a storyline on Sunday against the New York Rangers, which I'll talk more about here in just a minute. But heading into this game against the Rangers on Sunday, obviously a big storyline, basically the only storyline considering how poorly the Blackhawks have been playing as of late, was Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane playing in their 1,000th game together as teammates, becoming just the 11th duo to do that in NHL history. And looking at this list, I don't know if all of you saw, uh, I retweeted it on Twitter, but it is truly a spectacular list of teammates who have accomplished this feat. And uh, pretty cool to see that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are going to be, or already have joined them Uh, The only other prior pair of Blackhawks teammates to do this were Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. So cool to see them join some elite company. Uh, Going through the names here real quick, just in case you all didn't see them. First was, basically the list is just a bunch of legends. First was Gordie Howe and Alex Delvecchio. The Sedin sisters, Henrik and Daniel, were second. Anshay Kopitar and Dustin Brown, kind of surprisingly in my mind, are third. Nick Lidstrom and Chris Draper, two staples of the old school Red Wings, are fourth. Siebes and Dunks are fifth. Larry Robinson and Bob Gainey are sixth. Tim Horton and George Armstrong are seventh. Another pair of uh, Los Angeles Kings from the recent era are seventh. And Drew Doughty and Andrzej Kopitar, second appearance on this list for Kopitar. Nicholas Backstrom and Alex Ovechkin are eighth. Then, uh, or excuse me, are ninth. Yeah, I think I messed this up somewhere. Anyways, uh, Mark Messier and Kevin Lowe are the last duo ahead of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. That's it. That's the entire list of guys that have played a thousand games together as teammates in NHL history. So yeah, just really cool that we got to see another set of Blackhawks uh, legends joining this list, accomplishing this feat. And during the game on Sunday, I thought it was a really cool and heartfelt video montage that the Blackhawks shared on the Jumbotron. They also tweeted it out from their Twitter account. So if you haven't seen it yet, make sure to go and check it out there. Um, but yeah, it was just a cool time lapse throughout the years. And it really is crazy how how fast everything has flown by. Um, and I know, you know, 
the run that the Blackhawks went on, obviously there were a lot of guys that helped them achieve what they did. But there's no doubt about it that these two were the cornerstones behind it all. Once the Blackhawks drafted these guys in the 2006 and 2007 NHL draft, uh, it's what really, you know, put them on the rise and uh, what was the start of everything. And it's just really crazy to, you know, see all those memories and see how fast time really has flown by. And also that they could be winding down towards, you know, their final games together as teammates. Of course, no one knows what either guy is going to do come deadline time. It's just pure speculation at this point. But I think it's just important, Blackhawks fans, to make sure to appreciate what we have while we still got it. We don't know what either of these guys are going to do in the coming months, but it's an honor and a pleasure to watch them put on the Blackhawks sweater each and every night. Um, and if you haven't been going down to the United Center this season, I highly recommend doing so. The tickets are super cheap and probably scoot your way up and sneak your way up because more often than not, there's a lot of empties around. You never know when it's going to be the last time you're seeing those two uh, potentially on the ice at the United Center playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. So another cool moment that um, I hope everyone cherished. I know I, I did when I was watching the videos and everything, and it just makes me truly appreciate how special of a run it was from uh, 2008, 2009 to 2015. And pretty unfortunate that for the last six, seven years, Blackhawks haven't been able to do more with these two leading the charge. Um, I still think they have a ton of great hockey left in them. Jonathan Taves has proven a lot of people wrong with his performance so far this season. Um, and I'm, ex I'm excited, you know, to see whatever their next endeavor is in the future. I, I want them to stay Blackhawks forever, but I recognize that they've earned the right to do whatever they want. And I think both guys, whether it's here in Chicago, whether it's somewhere else, there's going to be a role for them and they're going to play a pivotal part in um, helping whatever team it is trying to push forward for their goals. And just cool to see Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane have this moment together. And I think it was actually Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times who said Kane might have been a little bit teary-eyed watching this video tribute. I don't know if that's actually true, but I would understand why. That's been his right-hand man for the majority of his adult life. And they've accomplished some incredible things together, some things that I, they probably didn't even imagine upon their wildest dreams. Uh, so congratulations to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves for making more NHL history on Sunday. Unfortunately, uh, the team didn't put up the best performance against the Rangers, which I'll be getting into here in just a couple of moments, folks. But first, I need to talk to you all real quick about Athletic Greens and their new AG1 product, which is something I really try to make sure I get my one scoop of every single morning. Because with just one scoop of AG1, folks, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day. And this special blend of ingredients really is incredible. It helps support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your recovery focus, aging, and more. And Athletic Greens was first created when the founder themselves experienced a ton of gut issues and ended up on a very complicated routine in order to recover. And that used to cost them over $100 per day. But now Athletic Greens has created an optimal and affordable nutrition routine that'll cost you less than $3 per day, which is just such a cheap and easy way to invest in both your health and your body. And I'm not kidding, folks. I really do try to make sure I get in my one scoop of AG1 every morning, whether it's 
before the show. I just had it about an hour ago. Uh, or, or whether it's a big day on the golf course coming up, I want to make sure I do everything in my power to be locked in, dialed, focused. Give me every competitive edge I have. And AG1 Athletic Greens, this one scoop really gives me that each and every morning. It's incredible. Has me locked in and dialed, ready to go to do the show. And to make it easy for all of you, Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go and visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network right now. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Segment two today, let's talk for <laughs> a few moments about the Blackhawks' embarrassing 7-1 to loss to the New York Rangers last night on ESPN, broadcasted on national television for everyone to see, which is always more fun, watching the Blackhawks get publicly embarrassed. Uh, as their losing skid has now reached seven games, they've also lost 15 of their last 16 and 21 of 24 overall since starting the year 4-2-0. That now has them dead last in the NHL in both points and points percentage, a.k.a. first place in the Connor Bedard standings through 30 games. The tank is real, folks, and I don't think there should be anyone out there who's upset about it. Listen. I'm right there with you. I get watching the Blackhawks lose every night is beyond deflating, but don't forget, please don't forget that this was all part of the plan. This was part of the strategy. And, you know, Kyle Davidson, sure, he never flat out said that this team was going to tank, but based on his words and many press conferences talking about a long, uh, a long-term rebuild, four or five years potentially, only focusing on the future. And also, based on uh, the roster that he put together heading into the season, we knew that the Blackhawks weren't trying to be competitive. If anything, uh, it was the exact opposite. Because Davidson in the front office, they knew that getting a high pick in the 2023 NHL draft, it has the potential to shift the entire way that this rebuild is going. And look, no, one player isn't you know, going to absolutely make this a championship contender and flip the script just like that. But if the Blackhawks are able to land a player like Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli, there's no doubt that things can change and that the timeline could be sped up a little bit and for the better, like getting those, getting one of those two players, it doesn't change things. Again, doesn't make the Blackhawks immediately a Stanley cup contender, but I think it, helps speed up the process a little bit when you have potentially that type of game-breaking talent that doesn't come around in the NHL oh so often. And you can usually only find with the first or, or second overall pick in the draft. And unfortunately for the Blackhawks, the only way to get there is by losing a ton. And look, the Blackhawks, the last two, three years, they've been trying to win and they really haven't been all that much better than they are right now. So I, I get it's frustrating. I get it's infuriating and it's deflating and it makes you feel absolutely great. You're just sitting back expecting a loss each and every night. I get it. I watch this team each and every night. But you got to understand, cue up the Joker meme and gif. It's all part of the plan. 
It's all part of the plan. This, unfortunately, is what it has to be to be in first place in the counter Bedard standings. And no, I, I will say, I don't think anyone expected this team to lose 21 of 24 games, 15 of 16. Like, I don't think anyone expected the Blackhawks to come down to earth this hard after their 4-2-0 start. I think we all knew that some resurgence was going to come and that the Blackhawks would not be winning games at that high of a clip throughout the majority of the season. But I don't think anyone expected them to lose 21 of their next 24 overall. Um, But the one thing I will say is, as terrible as it is, part of the plan. And there hasn't been a plan in place in God knows how long. I mean, it was just kind of run it back, retool, let's see if this team's good enough. Trade first-round picks, trade first-round or trade high-level prospects, try to stay alive for as long as possible. And it didn't work. That's what's really cost the Blackhawks um, for far too long and what's put them in this position where they have to go through a long-term rebuild. But so far this season, folks, again, as frustrating as it is, I feel you, but they've been executing the plan to perfection. Kyle Davidson is probably up in his GM chair like, Mwahahaha. and again, he was never going to come out and say that the Blackhawks were tanking, but this is you know, the reality of the situation when you have a roster like they do. They're probably even executing it better than uh, anyone imagined. But that sadly means losing a lot of games. And listen, if you're frustrated right now, I probably advise you to not watch very many Blackhawks games the the rest of the way because there are going to be a lot of infuriating moments. There's undoubtedly going to be a lot of losses. We still have what? We're 30 games in. We have 52 games to go, folks. So buckle up. It's going to be a long ride. Don't don't get too invested with this Blackhawks team. There's many reasons why not to. One, they're not any good. We all know that. We all knew that going into the season. Just because they won four of six to start the year doesn't mean your expectations should have drastically changed. Second, a lot of these guys who are on this roster right now aren't going to be here in two to three years, particularly in the forward department. Blackhawks don't have any forwards locked up two years down the road. So there's going to be a lot of change coming. Don't get too invested with some of the guys that are on this roster right now because there is going to be an overhaul at some time. And three, we knew that the rebuild was coming. We knew this was going to happen. Kyle Davidson, don't get upset at him. Don't don't say he can't do a good job and isn't making the right moves. We truly won't know until three, four, five years down the road. And this isn't even me like defending Davidson and and saying that he's doing a good job. I personally thought he has. But only time is going to tell. Like, I could be completely wrong. I hope I'm not because that means the Blackhawks are going to be set back once again. But we truly don't know what type of general manager Kyle Davidson is, what type of coach Luke Richardson is, till three, four, five years down the road. So before you go taking out your emotions and frustrations on Twitter, uh, just realize that this was all part of the plan. It's okay. I know losing isn't fun. It never is. but we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of that the rest of the way. It shouldn't be surprising, um, but hopefully they can put together some better efforts and make things more fun than they did on Sunday against the Rangers because the lopsided losses, uh, the I will say, they are getting old. And the frustrating part about it is, you know, they lose 7-1 to one to the Rangers. They lose 7-3 to three to the Capitals. It looks terrible. 
But there were stretches of this game where the Blackhawks were fighting hard and they were playing pretty well. And I feel like this has kind of been the case for their last four or five games. Like they've had offensive zone time. They've had good possession of the puck in the O zone. And it's not like they're getting outchanced by a ton or anything. No, like they're getting their opportunities. They just can't get the finished product right now for whatever reason. And on the flip side, especially in this game on Sunday against the Rangers, uh, it felt like every time they had a high danger opportunity or an odd man rush in transition, they capitalized on it and found the back of the net. And for the Blackhawks, when you can't consistently score goals, it's nearly impossible to win games. And the offense really hasn't done their share of the heavy lifting in the past couple of weeks. And I know they were going up against Igor Shosturkin last night, one of the best, if not the best goalie in the entire world right now. But the Hawks have even struggled against backups like David Riddich against Winnipeg didn't do enough to beat him. They struggled with Charlie Lindgren, the backup third stringer, I think, for the Capitals on uh, Tuesday. They've struggled with Stuart Skinner recently against Edmonton. I know he's kind of an up and coming netminder, but at some point, the excuses have to stop. And it truly doesn't matter what goalie the Blackhawks are facing right now. Uh, they're just having a hard time finding the back of the net. And with just one goal last night against Shesterkin and the Rangers, Blackhawks have only scored seven times during their seven-game losing skid, and three of those came in a single game against the Capitals. So other than that, Hawks have only mustered up four goals uh, in six games, one in each, and then two shutouts for the Blackhawks' offense. (sighs) It's brutal, and when you score one goal a game, you're not going to beat anyone, so you, you just can't win with that. No matter how you draw up last night's 7-1 to loss, Blackhawks' offense continues to struggle mightily, and I really don't see this losing streak coming to an end until the offense breaks out in a big way. Before I wrap up the show today, folks, can't forget Still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where, of course, I answer a couple of questions from a few lucky listeners out there live on the show. I appreciate all the questions that were thrown in this week. I still want to get more on Twitter. I've been getting a couple of emails. I've been getting some good support on Instagram. If you don't follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram yet, definitely make sure to go and check it out. I post a lot of graphics, clips, and cool stuff there. Make sure to go and show some support at capital L, capital O, Blackhawks on Instagram. Uh, But make sure to be reaching out and asking questions on Twitter. I haven't gotten a whole lot the last couple of weeks. I would really appreciate if I got some more regular questions on the old Twitter. So, And I know you you fans out there have questions. Throw them my way. I'm going to answer all of them live on the show. First question I wanted to get to today comes from Logan Gofsky, Gofsky, something Polish. Uh, Logan asked, what do we think of, what was the phrasing on this? Logan, I apologize, but you got to phrase things a little better, buddy. What do, what do we think about Ethan Del Mastro being a lock, being a pick? Can't tell if he meant a lock or pick for Team Canada. What, I'm going to, this is going terribly, I apologize. What do we think about Ethan Del Mastro being a pick for Team Canada? Could he be the biggest steal in the prospect pool? Seems like a great pick for Chicago. Yeah, I'm really excited about Ethan Del Mastro for a fourth round pick. His ascension the last couple of years, um, it's been awesome. And the Blackhawks, I've heard, are, are really stoked about his future. And every time I watch him, uh, I got to plug in my laptop here, folks. I apologize. 
every time I watch Ethan Del Mastro, the more I see of him, the more impressed I get. His defensive ability is always going to be his premier asset, his size, his physicality, his battle in front of the net and along the boards, quick first pass out of the D zone. Even though he is putting up pretty respectable numbers for the Mississauga Steelheads, I don't think he's ever really going to be too much of an offensive defenseman, someone who can pitch in every now and then, maybe like a Jake McCabe type of player, 15, 20 points a season, something like that. I think that's probably the ceiling for Ethan Del Mastro. But again, that's never going to be his bread and butter. And it feels like every time I see him, he improves his poise, you know, his patience with the puck. He doesn't force anything. Uh, I, I feel like he does a really good job of not turning the puck over in the D zone. He takes whatever the opponent is giving him, whether it's a clear outlet pass or banking it off the boards and the glass to get it out. I think he just recognizes the play really well as a defender, and he just continues to get better and better and better. And I think, you know, Team Canada basically saying, hey, he's a lock for this team and not even playing him in their two camp games uh, really shows you how much especially on the defensive side of things, how trusted he is already at this young age. And, you know, he's a leader. He's the captain for Mississauga, been a locker room guy, and he's just getting another good experience here uh, and potentially could be on way on his way to winning a second gold medal in just a few months. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked about Ethan Del Mastro. I do think this is probably his last year of junior hockey, if I had to imagine. So don't be too surprised if he goes and uh, makes his – jump to the professional level and finds uh, finds his way with the Rockford Icehogs next season. I think that is the next step for EDM. And yeah, for being a fourth rounder, seems like it has the potential to be a, a really good pick. I don't think he's you know ever going to be a superstar or maybe not a household name. Uh, but in hockey, you need those shutdown, physical, defensive defensemen, guys who block shots, do all the little things, go to the dirty areas. You need those guys, and that's what Ethan Del Mastro brings to the table. So I agree. I think he was a very good fourth-round pick, and I'm definitely excited about his future, and I hope he has a really good World Juniors coming up for Team Canada. Second question I'm going to answer today comes from Wands Trebor on Twitter, who asked another question kind of relating to the upcoming World Juniors. Why were you surprised that Colton Dock made Team Canada's roster over Ryan Green? Is there something you have seen in Green's game that will translate better to the World Junior stage that is missing from Dock's game? No, and being honest, I don't get to see too much of these guys play. I don't have, you know, 80 sets of eyes where I can be watching the Kelowna Rockets every night or watching the, the Boston Terriers. I also got to watch the Blackhawks. There's a lot of stuff going on. I can't watch every night of every Blackhawks prospect. So no, it's not like there's something that I've seen in particular for Ryan Green that would have translated better for Team Canada than Colton Dock's game in the World Junior. No, it's not that. It was just more so Colton Dock, it's, it's been a tough year for him. And look, a lot of that probably has to do with the, probably all of it has to do with the injury because when he's healthy, he's been the typical point producer and goal scorer for Kelowna that we've seen over the last year or two in junior hockey. It was just a little surprising, I thought, for him to make the team based on how he wasn't that impactful during camp. I saw multiple sources say they were surprised that he made the team. Um, and, and yeah, I was just a little shocked because I, I didn't think he made necessarily the same impact that a guy like Ryan Green did when both guys were pushing for a roster spot. And I know Colton Dock's a year older than Ryan Green, and maybe that's kind of 
what, you know, made the final decision that Doc's just a little bit more physically mature at this point. Uh, but Ryan Green did everything in his power to make this roster. Had a He's off to a great start to his freshman season with Boston Terriers. Uh, and he had a really great camp. He had a two-goal final game to kind of, you know, really leave a lasting impression on Canada's coaching staff. But ultimately, they decided to go another way, and that was by bringing on Colton Dock. So that was the only reason why I was surprised. Green was pressing really hard and clearly, you know, did everything in his power to make this roster. Well, Colton Dock, I, I didn't think, had the same impact necessarily. But uh, maybe, you know, it was just how Canada felt they wanted to go with their extra forward because that's really where Colton Dock has been throughout their camp so far and assuredly where Ryan Green would have been too had he made the roster. So maybe they wanted an older player, someone who can provide a little bit more physicality and size because uh, Colton Dock does have that more so than Ryan Green at this point in their development. So that's all I was saying by that. thought Ryan Green did everything he could to make this team. Unfortunately, it just ended up not being quite enough. But I do expect him to make a heck of a push for this roster next year. Third and final question I want to get to today comes from Brad P on Instagram, who asked, what do you think about Kershev and Radish so far? Two guys who could actually be part of the future. What do you think? Thanks. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate you reaching out on Instagram and asking your question. Again, find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm everywhere. Ask me your questions. I really appreciate it. I'll answer them all right here live on the show. Uh, it's been tough for Kurashev. He just scored last night his fourth goal of the season to snap an 11-game goal drought. But I think for the people who have been watching the Blackhawks each and every night, Kurashev's been pretty noticeable. And his ability to pop up in that top six role and move the puck well, especially when he's been playing with Jonathan Taves and Taylor Radish consistently, I think that line's been very good despite again not getting the finished product all that often like they move the puck well in the offensive zone they generate chances they get scoring opportunities Philip Kurashev just after a really strong start to the year he's kind of been going through a dry spell as the entire Blackhawks offense is as of late um, but I've still been impressed more often than not with the effort level that he provides on a nightly basis I think it's just pretty clear that he's not a top six offensive wizard and not someone who's ever going to put up, you know, 50, 60 points in a season. I, I think he's going to be probably more of a third liner in the long haul, but he is someone who's got good speed and, you know, has offensive ability. And there's still certainly value to that on the third line, especially for better teams. And as the Blackhawks try to get closer to playoff competition, once again, uh, I do think there is going to be a spot for Philip Kershev. And I also think he has still more uh, to to show us than you know his four goal performance so far this season. I, I think he's got more in the bag than what we've seen so far. So he's going to get that opportunity the rest of the year. We'll see what kind of numbers he finishes with. Uh, and then for Taylor Radish, I think he's the one that has the higher ceiling than Kershev because of a couple of things. The the pure goal scoring ability is really there for Taylor Radish. He goes to the the, the dirty areas, the crease, the slot. Uh, he can make himself open and find the soft spot in zones, creates a little bit of separation, which is really big, I think. And the size does help him too in that regard, where he's just a bigger body and can have more success, I think, in those areas than Kershev. They're just kind of two different builds. So I think Radish is the one who 
has a, a chance to actually be a second liner long term because of the goal scoring ability and the size and um, the the net front presence that he can provide. I've been really really stoked about what Taylor Radish has done since being acquired by the Blackhawks. And I was just talking back with one of my buddies the other day about this Brandon Hagel trade. The fact that the Blackhawks got two first round picks, Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk for Brandon Hagel. I mean, it's a deal that Kyle Davidson absolutely had to say yes to. And I don't think Taylor Radish is the full impact player that Brandon Hagel was or is with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I certainly think Taylor Radish has the ability to be the better offensive player than Brandon Hagel. Um, that's just me. We'll, we'll obviously see what happens down the road, but it just feels like the Blackhawks got a really good deal for Brandon Hagel. Two first-round picks and what we've seen out of Taylor Radish so far. I've really liked what I've seen, and I think you can lock him in as part of the future, uh, at least for the next couple of years. All right, folks, I think that will wrap up Monday, December 19th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Make sure if you're not already to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free right now on your favorite podcast app and to go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Thanks again for making Lockdown Blackhawks your first listen here today. For your second listen, make sure to go and check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with insights that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, it's going to do it for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.